When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome back to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats podcast, Unplugged. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the more lo-fi counterpart to our Monday podcast hosted by John Little. I'm Megan Gower, and we're joined today by Jen Hatfield. Hey, Jen. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for those of you who have been listening the past couple of weeks, I'm excited to have Jen here today instead of Aaron, kind of changing things up a bit. Uh, but Jen just celebrated her one year anniversary with her hoop stats. So congrats on that again. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, here to chat about women's basketball as always. Um, and Jen's been covering the Mystics for high post hoops all summer long. So also going to talk about or kick it off, I guess, by talking about the Mystics a little bit. Um, so they clinched their playoff berth this past weekend. Um, so they are officially moving on to the postseason. Not that that comes as a surprise to anyone. Um, so yeah, any thoughts on that, Jen? Yeah, well, first of all, it's just exciting. Um, I think Coach Tebow, Coach Tebow said that he thought it was the earliest the team had clinched in franchise history. Um, so maybe someone from her hoop stats or elsewhere can confirm for sure, but it's definitely exciting for folks in DC and, and for the team. And, but, you know, at the beginning of the season, even in the off season, they adopted a motto of run it back, referring to getting back to the WNBA finals and having a better outcome from their perspective than last year when they lost to Seattle. So this is, they're not focusing on the playoffs as, as getting to the playoffs as the end journey they're they're really laser focused on getting it all the way back to the finals and and winning a championship yeah and they're definitely on their way in that direction at least um i think they're still sitting on top of the WNBA standings you know probably barring anything crazy definitely in contention for that double buy um so i'm sure they've definitely have their eyes set on that going forward for the rest of the season 
Um, I think one of the most interesting thing to me about the Mystics this year is how just their offense is just so much better than everyone else in the league. I think their offensive rating as of the last time we did power rankings is like 115 points per 100 possessions or something insane like that. And then the next best team is at like 101.4 or something. So it's just like a mile ahead of everyone else. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy to even think about. Do you have any thoughts on like what it is about their offense this year that just makes it so much better than everyone else in the league? Well, obviously it helps when you have the front runner for MVP, <laughs> um, so that is certainly a significant piece. Um, another thing is just the the Mystics are very balanced. They've got a deep team. Um, they're they're young, but they're fairly experienced. So most of the players playing significant minutes played in the finals last year and they they kind of know the drill and and are are used to playing in big moments so um and i think they just have great leadership uh between deladon natasha cloud christy tolliver um those are all very good players strong leaders in different ways and i think they've really helped the team particularly on the offensive end and then you've got players like latoya sanders who really anchor the defense um coach tivo has been very pleased with Natasha Cloud and Ariel Powers on defense as well. So, um, you know, defense is something they sometimes need to lock in a bit more intentionally to than their offense, but offenses seem to come naturally for them all year. Um, they just set the WNBA record for three-pointers in a game, and, and Tolliver was out with a knee injury. So, um, you know, if, if as long as they're shooting pretty well, they, they tend to get in a good flow. Yeah, definitely agreed. I was looking at some numbers like right before this and it was like kind of crazy how like strong their like starting lineup is, but also how strong their bench is. I think it's like they have four players in the top 20 for win shares uh, for the season. But then if you like filter it for just players that haven't started more than 10 games, they still have like four in the top 10. Um, so their bench is probably one of the strongest in the leagues as well, which is, I think, especially important kind of heading into the playoffs where you have long game series ahead of you and need to have a full strength team to kind of really have a shot at winning the finals. And you wrote an uh, article actually this week about one of their bench players. So you want to add on to that at all? Sure. Yeah. And before I get to that, I was just going to mention Emma Mieseman, who is by all definitions, except the strict one, a starter. She is a starter, a starting caliber forward. She's actually very similar to Elena in many ways, um, but she is coming off the bench for the Mystics because she uh, she was competing overseas in Eurobasket, and when she got back, the team was playing so well with the established starting lineup that Coach Tebow said there was basically no way that he could shake anything up. So now they have a former all-star coming off their bench. Um, which is just kind of a, an embarrassment of riches. Um, but the player that I wrote about this week was Maisha Heinz-Allen, who's in her second year out of Louisville. She was a second-round pick but made the roster last year and was pretty important for them as a, as a bench player. Um, she didn't score the most points, but she always provided physical play, some good energy. She made 15 of her 18 shots in the playoffs last year. And then this year she's been stuck a little bit on the bench more. Um, Misaman didn't play last year, so Heinz Allen just has that extra player in front of her now, and, and Tiana Hawkins is really playing amazingly well this season off the bench. She's a candidate for sixth woman of the year. So Heinz Allen has had a bit of a tough time getting minutes, but um, I spoke with her earlier this summer about 
um, what her approach was uh, coming off the bench when her when her minutes weren't really um, consistent. And she was just amazingly positive. She was wonderful to talk to, um, very positive, and not in the oh, I'm talking to the media, so I'm going to be I'm going to be on my best behavior type of way, but just earnestly saying, "Look, I'm I'm a second year pro, and the MVP is on my team, and a bunch of other." a bunch of other really great posts. So I'm just going to soak it up. And, and when I do get on the floor, I'm going to make the most of it. So it was really nice talking to her. And I talked with several of the Mystics coaches and, and some of my Aisha's teammates about her. And she's a really talented player. She actually played all five positions overseas in the off season and has expanded her game. She just hasn't quite had as much opportunity as maybe a lot of us thought before the season to show it off this year. But, um, you know, if she gets that moment, she could really shine for them. And I don't think a lot of people uh, really know that yet. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I love this quote from her in your article where it talks about, you know, she kind of talks about how great everyone else on the team is. And then she just says, you know, I have to continue being a team player and not worry about myself. I think it's like a great um show of like just team attitude um which is a lot of what's making the mystics so great this year but agreed that she also has that potential to be a real impact player off the bench and even though she hasn't seen a lot of minutes this year so far i could definitely see if she's called to the table that she'll be ready for it in the playoffs yeah kind of a story that just sums up the whole the whole situation is that i actually tried to to the first time i tried to interview her at a mystics practice I ended up not being able to because she stayed so long after practice shooting with actually four different coaches around her that I ended up uh, being asked to come back another day by by the by the Mystics communications folks. Um, and I said, sure, you know, it didn't look like the shooting was ending anytime soon. I'd waited maybe a half hour already at that point. And so I said, no problem. I'll catch her another time. And, and you know, I eventually, I eventually caught up with her and, and she was profusely apologetic when I when I mentioned you know I, I said I saw you shooting with four coaches the last time like what what were you working on and she was like oh I'm so sorry I kept you waiting and I was like no I, I'd I'd rather have you shooting than talking to me to be perfectly <laughs> honest <laughs> oh, that's an awesome story <laughs> so yeah uh, I'm trying to think other things on the mystics so now I'm trying to think like as we're heading into the playoffs like do you think there's anyone that can beat them in a five-game series? Like, unless something crazy happens, they're not going to be playing in a single elimination game. Who would you think has the best chance of, like, being able to take them down in a five-game series? So uh, I would say I would point out two teams. The first would be Connecticut, which I think you have to look at them because they actually took the season series from the Mystics 2-1. Now, that series was completed before the beginning of July, so it's a little bit hard to extrapolate how that would play out, but certainly Connecticut should get some credit for that. Um, so they could they could pose some problems, particularly with John Quill Jones on the inside. The Mystics have not been the best at, at defending post players, and that transitions nicely into my second pick, which would be the Aces. The, Mystic, the Mystics took two of three from the Aces, including that weird earthquake game that got made up a month later. <laughs> Um, but Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson are a problem for everyone in the league, the Mystics included, and they could definitely wear the Mystics down. 
Yeah, I think that would be my pick too, the aces. I think just those two post players in Wilson and Kim Bage are really, really difficult for any team in the league to defend. But then the Mystics haven't been the strongest team defensively all season long. So they definitely could pose a problem for them. Um, but it will be interesting to see when we get that um, meetup as well. Will it be uh, in the semifinals or the finals because it could kind of fall either way but yeah definitely yeah it'll be an exciting postseason for sure regardless of how the seeds shake out but hoping for a really um you know heavyweight matchup in the finals another team that that could be uh, dangerous in the postseason is the sparks they kind of profile similar to the aces in that they've got a lot of talent inside i don't think they're as strong on the perimeter as las vegas is but any team that has Chelsea Gray should make everyone else scared come play off. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Yeah, I was pretty high on the Sparks a couple of weeks ago when Candace Parker came back and they were on that win streak. I feel like they've like cooled down a little bit again, which was kind of surprising. I kind of thought they were going to ride that high through the end of the season and kind of be you know coming for everyone. Um, and it seems to like have tapered down a little bit. I feel like Chicago might have actually have a better chance at the um, – final spot in the with the bye than LA does right now which is interesting because I think Chicago had one of the tougher schedules coming down the stretch but they've done a really nice job um, kind of exceeded my expectations with what they've won out so far um, so it'll be interesting to see how that ends up shaking out yeah I think I think if we if we got Chicago and LA in the postseason at all that would be just fascinating because the sky are so good around the perimeter and the sparks are so good inside that it's just kind of a matchup in contrast. The mystics actually play them in the span of five days this weekend. So they're at Chicago on Friday and then they host LA on Tuesday. So that'll be really interesting just to see how they adapt to the different styles. And I'm selfishly just very excited to have the sparks in town for the first time this year. Definitely. Yeah. Those should be two great games to watch coming up. Um, and no disrespect to the Liberty, who who <laughs> the Mystics play in between there, but just highlighting the the as of now the playoff teams that are coming up on the schedule. Agreed. Yeah, those should definitely be two important and interesting matchups heading into the final couple weeks of the season. Well, I think we have about two and a half weeks left, right? I think the last day of the season is the eighth. Yep, that sounds just about right. It's it's amazing how fast the season has gone and. Even though, even though it's longer than last year, so it, it it should feel longer, but I feel like it's flown by. I agree. I feel like the summer is just, I don't know where it went. <laughs> see. On the subject of uh, the playoffs, any other predictions that you have kind of heading into them or matchups that you're definitely looking forward to seeing or hope to see at least? I think Chicago Las Vegas could be interesting for for the for the stylistic reasons that I mentioned that that would apply against the Sparks this the same thing holds with the Aces but also given what happened this weekend um I think it would be interesting to see them clash again in the playoffs and then and then we'll have to wait and see separately whether Diana Taurasi comes back for Phoenix because assuming that Phoenix makes the playoffs and assuming that Taurasi is there 
Phoenix will will be must watch television for however long they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. If Tarasi is back, I think it'll be definitely. I will not be surprised if we end up seeing Phoenix in a conference semifinals if Tarasi is back on the court. Um, Diana Tarasi in the playoffs is definitely something special and definitely must watch TV. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see even if they end up falling to like the eighth seed if she's back for the playoffs. Definitely wreak havoc on some other teams' uh, playoff runs coming up. Including the Mystics. The Mystics have not played well against Phoenix. Brittany Griner has destroyed them, for lack of a better word. So I personally am, am very wary of Phoenix. <laughs> no, same as a Connecticut Sun uh, follower. Like last, I think it was last year in the playoffs that they, you know, came in as the lower seed at Connecticut in the single elimination. And Diana Taurasi does what she's done in Connecticut for a long time. But um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see whose run she takes out this year if she's back. Yeah, maybe, maybe she can she can touch one of the other top seeds besides Connecticut and, and <laughs> Yeah, I would like that too. <laughs> so with the um, WNBA regular season winding down and the playoffs almost here, we're also starting to count down to the NCAA season, which is way closer than it seems like it should be um I think we're at like less than three months away at this point so definitely coming up soon um so yeah I had read an article a couple weeks ago I think it was now about underclassmen from last season that I was excited to watch coming up this year um so underclassmen meaning anyone that was a freshman or a sophomore last year so players that will be sophomores and juniors this coming year that I was excited to watch. Um, so I'll just kind of throw out the names that I had out there um, in that article, but wanted to get also your thoughts on anyone that I missed because there's so many players to talk about that are going to be exciting to watch this year. Um, but from my end, the four that I had kind of highlighted were Michaela Onionware from UCLA, which is probably one of my favorite players to watch in the NCAA right now. I just think her game is a lot of fun to watch. And UCLA was an interesting team last year and that they like kind of started off really slow, but then by the end of the season were as good as any other team in the country really gave Oregon a run for the money in the Pac-12 tournament, gave UConn a run for their money in the Sweet 16 in Albany. So definitely a team that even though they lost Kennedy Burke, who was amazing for them this year, I think is going to be uh, you know, top 10 program again this coming season. And then also, of course, you got the reigning national champions with Baylor, which we can come back to because there's so many names you could list there, but I had Queen Egbo from there as well. And then, of course, Kennedy Carter at Texas A&M. Um, if you're following NCAA women's basketball, you probably already know who Kennedy Carter is. It's hard not to. And then the last one was a freshman from last year out of Maryland, Shakira Austin, who was just incredible for them defensively last season, but also in like uh, just like 23 minutes per game was almost averaging a double-double. So someone that as she gets more minutes coming into her sophomore year is probably going to be a big star in the Big Ten. Um, So anything from you, Jen, that you would want to add, like as far as players that definitely are exciting to be watching next year? Yeah, there are so many, like you said. Um, I think one that really stands out to me, I'm actually going to cheat and I'm going to go with two, but for mm-hmm. Oregon, which is 
maybe the most exciting team in the country to watch, in my opinion. Um, if you all haven't listened to the Her Hoop Stats podcast interview with the Oregon coach, Kelly Graves, you should go do that. Um, but Satu Savoli and Nayara Savoli, her, her younger mm-hmm. sister, were both underclassmen last year. Satu was a sophomore. She'll be a junior this fall. And her sister redshirted last year, her first year on campus with a knee injury. So they, I think, are going to be basically a two-headed monster to complement or all of Oregon's other amazing pieces that they have. So really looking forward to watching them both. Um, they're both, you know, uh, pretty tall, rangy wing players from, from Germany. So, um, and both of them can, from what I understand, can, can really score the basketball. So that's, that's super exciting. Agreed. I think Oregon is one of the most exciting programs to watch next year, um, coming off that Final Four appearance and probably the favorite to win the title next year and definitely the favorite to make it back to the Final Four. Um, so it'll definitely be a fun team to be following in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, they, they w- would definitely be my preseason number one team. And I know we're all pretty excited for February when they're going to play UConn and uh, also, underclassmen to watch, uh, Kristen Williams out of UConn or Olivia nelson Odetta. I'm a little surprised that, that neither of them made your article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a game to highlight for sure. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I'm super excited that that's going to be up at Gamble Pavilion. will be a super fun one to cover for me. But yeah, also Kristen Williams and Olivia nelson Odetta. I think particularly Olivia nelson Odetta for me. Because Kristen Williams had, she had a stellar um, freshman season, like really great for the UConn and starting most of their games. And I expect that she's going to probably make a big leap and continue to do that this year. But I think so much of how successful UConn is in this coming season rides on how much Olivia Nelson Adota can develop and really be a presence for them inside in the paint. Um, And she's going to be a big, uh, have a big impact on the team has big shoes to fill with them losing Nafisa Collier inside and then also Katie Lou Samuelson on the perimeter uh, definitely big shoes to fill but I'm really interested to see like how her game progresses and how she fills out their roster and their starting lineup for this coming season yeah I feel like she's one of those players that if she gets off to a fast start a bunch of the media are, are just going to have a heyday writing about her like we could see a million articles about her which is awesome you know all the all the coverage is is great but she could be you know a really hot topic of conversation if she gets off to a quick start definitely agree with that um as I think if she gets off to a quick start so will UConn as a whole so it will be a big storyline to follow as the season gets off yeah another player that I would put in that same category of could get off to a fast start, become a media darling, have her team get off to a fast start, is Nelissa Smith for Baylor. I think the Queen Egbo pick is awesome. I also think Nelissa Smith would be an awesome pick. She um, had an important role as a reserve last season as a freshman, showed flashes of really just knowing how to play in terms of both scoring and rebounding and just gave Baylor a lot of energy. So I'm really excited to see her get more minutes this year. Agreed. She was one of those many players from Baylor that I said could make the list. Um, and she had that like fantastic game in their uh, championship win over Notre Dame. Kind of like really had an outstanding game for them, especially when Lauren Cox went down and they really needed someone in there to fill in that hole. 
Um, so definitely think she's another person that I'm excited to watch. And then also from Baylor, Dee Dee Richards as well, who'll be a rising. She's going to be a junior. Uh, but I thought down the stretch for Baylor last year, her game kind of transitioned so much that she's always been like this excellent defensive player for them. But her ability to really score the basketball kind of towards the end of the season down the stretch last year, I think changed the dynamic for their offense quite a bit. And, you know, teams couldn't just like help off of her. So they had to guard her as well. Um, and I think that if she can continue to do that, she's going to have a big impact for Baylor again this year. Yeah, that's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, it, it's just always great when you can see a player really, when you can almost see that light bulb go off and, and see how much work a player has put in. I feel like that's always fun to watch as a fan. Agreed. Yeah. Anyone else you can think of? Would want yeah, to I think maybe one somewhat under the radar pick would be Dara Mabry from Virginia Tech. So she's the younger sister of Marina Mabry, who just graduated from Notre Dame. Um, And she is a fairly similar player in that she's an excellent shooter. Um, But she went to Virginia Tech instead of Notre Dame. I I think she said that that Notre Dame didn't actually recruit her all that hard. And she, she ended up picking Virginia Tech, which of course puts her in the ACC. So sisters played each other last year, which was must-see television, um, but she's now a rising sophomore, and I'm really excited to see how her game develops in, in her sophomore season. Definitely. Yeah, that's one to watch as well with a last name like Mabry. It's kind of hard not to watch. Um, I actually I wrote an article for High Post Hoops uh, about midway through last season, uh, motivated purely by the fact that I was curious which Mabry sibling was the best at basketball. So I tried to <laughs> empirically as, as possible and compared all their freshman seasons of college only because that would be unfair if you compare like Marina's entire college career with her little sister's freshman season. Yeah, um, And it's actually pretty like spread out between the three sisters and then they have an older brother as well. So I pulled his, his freshman <laughs> year stats. So maybe I'll have to issue an update uh, once once we get some data on Dara's sophomore year. Definitely. I would read that at least, so I would be curious. <laughs> it, it kind of sparked a whole series, which I wasn't intending, where where I end up comparing how sisters, uh, how sister stats are. So, like, I did one with the Agumakes during the WNBA season, and I totally wasn't intending that when I first wrote the article, but now I'm like, hmm, I kind of like this. So if any Her Hoop Stats listeners have sisters that they would like me to do that with, please tweet at me or at her hoop sets and I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, another one for the sisters is the whole twins at Stanford, which would be another set of underclassmen to watch. As yes, well next they were, year. They were on my very long list too. And just didn't, <laughs> didn't make it out of my mouth. Cause there were, there were too many choices to pick, but oh, that'll yeah. be interesting for sure. Tara Vanderveer yeah. is, is a genius. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see, though, if she, like, parent traps them in any way. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. Stanford is another exciting team for next year, especially with the freshmen that they have coming in. should be very exciting to see how that all plays out over in the Pac-12. Yeah, definitely. Um, This is is where you wish you weren't on the East Coast because (laughs) it's going to mean a lot of DVR or just a lot of staying up later than I probably would. Yep, exactly. Um, Sacrifices need to be made to watch (laughs) 
names and that includes Oregon and Stanford and probably a host of others. Yes. <laughs> I'm very much guilty of being like, oh, it starts at 10. I'm only going to watch the first half. And then you, know, and then you no. just get sucked in. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, tomorrow morning is going to be rough. <laughs> you're like, it's only 20 more minutes. It's only a 20 minute, you know, it's like two 10 minute quarters. It's only 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then somehow those late ones always end up going to overtime of course it's always how it works <laughs> when you want to go to bed it has to go to overtime <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right, if we take off the you know underclassmen qualifier do you have a player really any class pick from whatever that you're most excited to watch in the upcoming season Ooh, that is a great question I think I think rather than than going player, I think I'm just going to point to a couple teams that I'm really curious about. If that's cool, and you can you can pick a player off those teams if you want for me. One <laughs> is Notre Dame because they're essentially retooling like their whole roster because they sent all of their starters into the WNBA, which is insane. By the way, mm-hmm. um, I was actually looking at their their roster this morning because I was like, oh, maybe there's an underclassman to watch there. Um, and the thing that caught my eye is they have three post players on their roster. So they're going to need to get a lot of production from their guards and, and they might actually look a lot more like the, um, like that national title team that was, you know, short on players because of injuries and maybe a little undersized and, and pulled it out. So I'm curious to see what Muffet McGraw does over there. Um, and then I'm also really curious to see Louisville. Um, I feel like Jeff Wells' teams are always really exciting to watch, um, but they did graduate Asia Durr. So, you know, players like Dana Evans, who is who was an underclassman last year, um, will need to step up. And, but I think I don't think they'll slide too far. Yeah, I would agree with both of those. I think those are two teams that it, like are going so much undergoing so much change for the season because especially with like Louisville, they didn't just graduate Asia Dirt, Sam Fearing and Erica Carter too. So they've got a lot of retooling to do. And then yeah, like you said, Notre Dame just completely overhauling their starting lineup with everyone going to the WNBA. Um so it's two teams that are always kind of powerhouses that'll be interesting to see kind of how they stack up this year and how they rebuild back to that level. Uh, with like One other a, thing we didn't mention yet is Tennessee and how they're playing UConn again this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited for that. I think it'll be particularly interesting if um, UConn gets a waiver for Vina Westbrook, who transferred to UConn from Tennessee, which is kind of a crazy thing to be saying still <laughs> for anyone that was yeah. a fan of like the old rivalry. But <laughs> um, yeah, not gonna lie, I'm I'm not particularly invested in whether or not she gets the waiver except that I do want to see her play against Tennessee so I guess I'm for it <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah. but yeah I, I talked to Kelly Harper uh, about a, a couple weeks ago for a story I was writing and she was just the nicest very happy to chat I couldn't believe I actually got her on the phone but she was very personable and and she seems really both aware of the history that she's stepping into but very determined to make her a name for herself as well and but more importantly not make a name for herself like make a name for her team and and get them to a whole nother level you know she's she's aware of the past but she's not stuck in it so it was really great talking with her and and personally just as a fan of women's basketball I hope Tennessee has a better season than they did last year just because it's it's fun to see them excel 
Maybe you just agree as a UConn fan. (laughs) No, I agree. Even as a UConn fan, I think it's just fun to see kind of those big like name powerhouse teams excel and get people excited. I think having games like UConn Tennessee on the schedule and then having it be a like really competitive, great game is like a huge thing for the game. It gets people watching, especially a lot of times those games are the ones that are on, you know, ESPN or ESPN2. Um, So you want to see a great game, not a blowout. Um, It's it's always more fun to watch an exciting game. So even as a UConn fan, I hope that they have a great, a much better season than last year as well. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. What do you think in terms of the best, what's the best conference going to be this year? I feel like last year it was like the ACC was probably, I mean, the Pac-12 was great, but I don't think really anything competed with the ACC in terms of like the most competitive conference for women's basketball do you think it's gonna be the same this year or do you think it's gonna be something else hmm that's a great question I might be inclined to pick the Pac-12 just just instinctually responding to this question I haven't really thought about it in advance you know because in the ACC we've got NC State is or sorry Notre Dame is a big question mark and then I was gonna say NC State is a little bit of a question mark too um you know, and then you've got teams that are kind of up and coming. You've got Duke, um, who I think could actually be really improved um, this year. They've got some last year's freshmen who are becoming sophomores, which is always a great thing to have. Um, you know, you want you want seniors and you want sophomores who are making giant leaps, right? Um, but the Pac-12 has, you know, it's got Oregon, it's got Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State's always tough. Arizona's on the up and up. You know, you've got you've got all sorts of teams. Oregon State, I should mention. Um, so that could be a really deep conference. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I think the Pac-12 would be my at least like preseason pick. The ACC is there's a lot of question marks, but if those question marks start to look like the teams of the past, I think it's really a toss up between the two. But right now, I would definitely say the Pac-12 is going to be probably the strongest and most fun conference to watch next year we'll we'll have to watch to you know how how the american is and and if yukon gets you know kind of penalized for for the american conference in in their last year in the conference yeah yeah let's see if they'll emerge from it with a totally undefeated record never having lost in the conference i think it'll be a pretty big shock if that doesn't happen um so it'll definitely be interesting not at all you just have to go undefeated (laughs) yeah (laughs) no pressure (laughs) i think it'll be good for them to move to the big east i agree Um, i'm excited to see that even though what we really need is we just need notre dame to to move back and (laughs) all order is is restored balance is is achieved (laughs) yeah where you come to move to the acc if only conferences were or conference alignment was done based on women's basketball and not football and And, you know (laughs) we can just like swap out boston college for (laughs) for uconn because like you know bc BC can play with like providence and and georgetown and those guys like that that kind of fits I agree. I think it's a perfect solution. Hopefully someone from Conference Alignment is listening to us. Maybe they'll take yeah, our advice. You know. <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So one thing that Aaron and I have been doing, we've been trying to end on a more non-women's basketball topic just for some fun at the end of the podcast. Um, and Aaron is currently, or well, I guess was on a plane, but is now probably in Disney World with his kids and his wife. And he had suggested that we talk about any crazy travel horror stories or times you almost missed a flight from running late. I'm going to guess there's some backstory with how his travel day went today. But any crazy travel stories from your end? Yeah, we'll have to grill him. But uh, Aaron, whenever you're listening, I I hope you made it to Disney World efficiently and in one piece. It's currently almost 9 p.m. on the East Coast. So hopefully you're still not flying. Um, I am one of those people who gets to the airport way earlier than I need to because missing the flight gives me too much anxiety to cut it close even when I know that I won't need to be at the airport that early so I don't think I have any stories of missing a flight because I was late Um, but I certainly have had my fair share of misconnections and travel woes and such I uh, I was a field hockey player in college and played select field hockey all through high school so traveled a bunch I grew up in St. Louis which is good at field hockey, but not the hotbed that some of the areas on the East Coast were. So um, one of my, one of the the travel horror stories that I remember most clearly is uh, taking a a late night Sunday flight back from the East Coast to St. Louis. Um, And we get there and we're, we're about to land, but we're kind of circling for a little bit and everyone's kind of tired and we're like, what's going on? But everyone's too sleepy to really to really care too much until over the loudspeaker they go hey guys there's fog and we can't land so we're diverting you guys to indianapolis so we diverted to indianapolis landed there at roughly two in the morning uh and our flight was supposed to be you know bright and early the next morning so we went to a hotel i think we literally had two hours tops um (laughs) And then and then went back to the airport in Indianapolis only to be met with another flight delay. And I, I think I finally got home around noon or 1 p.m. the next day. Um, so I missed school, which was like maybe not the worst thing after that whole ordeal. I'm not sure I could have focused, but that was definitely one that stands out. <laughs> yeah, definitely have lots of crazy travel stories like that. Flying from Hartford, there's not a lot of direct flights. So mixed connections is a common problem. Um, but I do have one. I never actually missed a flight from being late. That wasn't like a connection, but I did almost miss one a few months ago. It's like the most millennial story ever, but I was in Chicago for St. Patrick's Day and we went to brunch the next morning and brunch should take like what, like an hour, hour and a half. I think we went to brunch like a good four to five hours before my flight. So it shouldn't have been a problem. Um, there was just like crazy waits everywhere. We took forever to get a table. And then by the time we got a table, it took forever to get food. Um, so I ended up, you know, I was very hungry. So for some reason, decided to prioritize the food over getting to the airport on time. Um, but always a good decision yeah. in my book. <laughs> Maybe not that time, but yeah, in general, <laughs> I would agree that prioritizing food is always important. But yeah, I ended up getting to O'Hare literally like as I got the notification on my phone that my flight is already boarding. And of course, being O'Hare, there's this huge security line. And I hate to be that person that's like trying to cut everyone in the security line. But I was like, if I don't do that, I'm literally going to miss this plane. Um, so I was that person. <laughs> Thankfully, there was some very nice girl ahead of me, like 
on the other side of the rope that like lifted the rope and let me cut basically the whole line um so shout out to a random stranger that saved the day though I boarded the plane with like very few seconds to spare but all in all ended up being a good flight largely because the woman that was in the seat next to me had a like four week old beagle puppy with traveling with her so yeah crazy getting onto the plane but probably one of the best (laughs) surprises in flight that could happen Let's just let the record show that random acts of kindness at the airport in particular get like double points. I feel like, you know, when, when a gate agent is like super accommodating and and gets you on an earlier flight or like lets you board, even though technically the doors are closed, like that can really, that can really just be amazing. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the person who's like, oh, you forgot your scarf as you're grabbing all of your million (laughs) items that you're like, why did I pack these after you go through security? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Definitely agreed. Be nice to the airport, please. It's it's really helpful. Also, you have my sympathies for going through O'Hare as as someone who's from St. Louis. (laughs) Lots of flights connect through O'Hare. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever taken a flight from O'Hare that hasn't been delayed. Like, I think it's just like a thing I accept if I have to go there. <laughs> does, the Hart- does the Hartford Airport have any really cool or unique amenities? Like the St. Louis Airport has a Ted Drew's frozen custard machine. Ted Drew's frozen custard is a St. Louis staple, but it's like a vending machine that gives you like a a paper cup of custard. That's pretty awesome. Um, let's see. It didn't used to have anything worth mentioning, but recently we got a Two Roads Brewery, which is like a local brewery in Connecticut, and they put one into the airport, and they also have pretty good food. So I think that's the most like rewarding quality of the Hartford Airport at the moment. But it is definitely an improvement from like the McDonald's and D'Angelo's that were the only like food options before. <laughs> so it makes if your flight gets delayed, it's a little bit better to place to be. Uh, definitely airport bars are are much appreciated i have also had the distinct honor of being in an airport bar when it says we're closing and you need to leave which is (laughs) sad which is like a perverse form of accomplishment (laughs) but uh i don't don't know if you'll be going to the final four this year in new orleans i am planning on it but have not made any sort of arrangements because it's august and the final four is in april but if anyone listening has has any travel tips for New Orleans, I think the Her Hoops That's crew would very much be interested. Yes, I definitely second that. I haven't made any arrangements either, but am planning to go. So definitely looking awesome. forward to it. I've also never been to New Orleans. So Me neither. You know, so I'm like... As we say, go big or go home. <laughs> so Final Four and New Orleans. Yeah, sounds like a perfect trip. <laughs> Maybe we can record a live Her Hoops That's podcast over some hurricanes and an actual bar or something. I'll be a little yes, creative. Right. <laughs> All right. I think that's... We'll start brainstorming topics now. Yes. <laughs> it's getting kind of late, so I think that's all for tonight if you guys liked what you heard please be sure to rate us five stars and review us wherever you're listening to your podcast we also welcome all of your feedback and suggestions as we've mentioned a couple of times throughout the podcast so feel free to email us at podcast at herhoopstats.com or you can find us at twitter at herhoopstats and as always please check out the site herhoopstats.com consider subscribing it's just twenty dollars a year to support the work that we're doing Thanks, Jen, for joining me this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course.